This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Well, one out of three ain't bad. As we say good evening and welcome into a Friday edition of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil, off tonight. Pat is off tonight. Chris Bergen here at the Bergy Palace. I'll be guiding you along. Joshua Cohen back home in our palatial at the Point Studios in downtown Columbia. We're ready to line you up on the phone lines at 888-898-2525. Again, 888-898-2525. Matt Smith set to join us here in just a couple of moments. Actually expecting Smitty in the studio any time now. So we will have some fun with uh, Smitty on the other side of the coin. Plus, we will chat with you. Looking forward to a a busy Friday night, as Andy has told us in times past, a corn-free Friday here this evening. So more room for all of you to uh, chat and visit with us here this evening. Got a busy show planned for you tonight. We're going to have some fun getting you ready for the uh, start of the bowl season, which, believe it or not, is tomorrow. Seven bowl games tomorrow, including the uh, kickoff here in our home state as the Myrtle Beach Bowl will kick things off tomorrow. 42 games, if I counted correctly. The smorgasbord of bowl games will get started tomorrow at 11, 11.30 over at uh, Brooks Stadium in Conway as Georgia Southern takes on Ohio. Former Citadel radio voice, former posting courier, outstanding beat reporter, and now the current radio play-by-play voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, will join us just after 6.30 from Myrtle Beach. He'll give us his take on the start of the bowl season, his team's preparation, getting ready for Ohio. So uh, looking forward to uh, Danny jumping on board with us after 6.30. Also, speaking of the bowls, we'll have Lee Sterling on with us. He's got his Sterling picks. We've got uh, several games that we'll get into. I want to find out from Lee as we bring in Matt Smith back in our studios in Columbus. Smitty, first up, welcome in, pal. Good to chat with you on this Friday evening. Yes. Now, keep going, Chris. What were, what were <laughs> you going to say? about? Because as you know, as you know, um, I'm fully supportive of degenerate gambling. So I want to know <laughs> where, where well, you were going with this. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, I understand how Lee and all those guys, the de- degenerate gamblers, as you pointed out, I get setting a line during a regular season game. Georgia-Alabama for the SEC title. Should be pretty easy to set a a line for that game because everybody in a Georgia uniform, everyone for the most part in an Alabama uniform, they're ready to play. They want to be there. They want to win the game. My question, though, about bowl games in particular, I want to get Lee's take and yours as well, is how in the world do you come up with a legitimate betting line on a bowl game that's not a part of the college football playoff when you may or may not know if everybody shows up, certainly you may or may not know if everybody who does show up, like tomorrow, for instance, playing for Georgia Southern and Ohio, you would think both those teams would have guys that want to win tomorrow, but who knows? The way the bowls have sort of been turned into a glorified exhibition and a preseason scrimmage for next year, how do you set a legitimate line knowing the physical aspect may be there, but the mental aspect may not? Yeah, one of the biggest 
factors in bowl season now more than ever is motivation, as you just pointed out, Chris. I was actually going to say, uh, you know, and maybe it's something we can touch on briefly with Lee Sterling. I don't know where everybody else lands on bowl season. The biggest, the biggest story for me personally is this. I went from being in love with bowl season growing up to now completely indifferent to it for the most part mm-hmm. most bowl games i i just don't i mean what can i don't even know that you can get me going with the whole conference matchup like oh sec versus acc big 10 versus big 12 like i don't know i don't care because if they're starting quarterbacks opted out i'm not sure what i'm <laughs> what conclusion i'm exactly supposed to draw from the third place team in the big 10 playing the fourth place team from the big 12 and it, there used to be so much in terms of pride and then curiosity as well. Like if Penn State was going to play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, I wonder what's going to happen. I don't know because these two teams didn't play any like competition during the season. I don't know how they're going to match up. And I think bowl season to me has – has. I don't know if everybody feels this way. I think it's just been – the interest is derailed. And I'm glad we're having – uh, Danny on to talk about you know something happening in our state because it is important the, the for a lot of reasons these bowl games are important for the local mm-hmm. communities I just want the coaches and players to be as excited about bowl season as I was 10 years ago that's what I'd love to see and I don't think we ever get back to that point and if you're and I think it will get worse as opposed to getting better when the college football playoff expands next year to 12 you're going to eliminate some what we would expect to be top-notch bowl games that will be turned into now exhibition games because they're not part of the playoffs. Uh, even with us going from 4 to 12, you're going to have extra games that need to be played. So I just find it fascinating, and, and I want Lee's take on this because this is his living. So how do you legitimately set a line? All right, Clemson and Kentucky. Both teams have lost players that won't be playing in the Gator Bowl. Does that change the way the line goes? I know it's moved a little bit, but Clemson's still favored to beat Kentucky. If all of Clemson's players were there, would they be a three-touchdown favorite over Kentucky if Ray Davis were playing or if he does actually indeed play? How much does that move the line one way or the other for Kentucky? I just I think that's a difficult, difficult thing to set initially. And then obviously you let the degenerate gamblers, as you pointed out, sort of maneuver the line to their liking before the kickoff. What a, Well, how about... Florida State and Georgia, two teams that, that don't want to be great there. That's <laughs> a that, great example. I mean, Florida State has its the governor of the state looking to sue the college football playoff committee. What signal does that send to the team about the bowl game they're about to prepare for? And that's actually one where we can ask Lee that because that's one of the four games he's going to chat with us about coming up just after 7 o'clock. So uh, looking forward to getting Lee on board, and we'll talk some more bowl activity with him. Also tonight, of course, it is a Friday. That means it is birdies, bogeys, and biceps with George Bryan. He'll be with us alongside our golf insider, MJ Ward, is going to uh, sit and chat. I don't know if there's enough air in the room, Smitty. Once we turn it over to those two guys... We may actually have the show roll into about 8.30 before they realize, hey, we've been off the air for half an hour. I mean, when MJ starts to grab the microphone, he can, and because he's so good at what he does, he can suck the air out of the room in a hurry, and George can do the same thing. So you and I, I think, will have the last half hour of the program off. 
Yeah. Uh, I think even George is going to just turn it over to MJ. As much as as much as George wants to wants to chop it up about golf, I think he's going to tee up. No pun intended. Tee up MJ and let him go. I think so, too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm fascinated, too, because I think MJ's ridden the fence for a long time with regards to live golf. Be fascinated to get his take on John Rahm signing a three-quarter of a billion-dollar deal with Live Golf, and does that signify that Live Golf is here to stay and that it is going to start continuing to and, – and who's the billion-dollar golfer? I mean, if they convince Tiger Woods, even Tiger you know, only plays about one tournament every two years, but if they ever were to get him back on a, a situation where he would play consistently, could they convince him to come over to live, and would he be a guy they would offer a billion dollars to come play? Well, we, we've seen this play out before, and I know what Liv wants eventually, and, and they're kind of getting it, which is the, the whole idea of the merging, of coming together, and that's what it's that's was was what it was about from the outset. I mean, that's what happened AFL NFL, that's what happened ABA NBA. You had to have and you had to have that because of what you just pointed out, you cannot have Tiger Woods not or, or any of the, the 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 biggest names in your sport not participating because then people will wonder well, what would have happened. You had to get Dr. J in the NBA eventually because you can't yeah, you can't right. crown a true champion and then well would he have beaten Dr. J? I don't know. You know, they would like mm-hmm. to see those two match up. You had to do it in the AFL and the NFL. Eventually, they had to come together because you couldn't be losing players like Joe Namath and others and have him, them go to the AFL just for the money and the money. Even though nobody believed at that time the AFL was as good as the NFL, there's always that that curiosity about how those players would perform against each other and the same is true with live and the pga and it's why they have to come together and and i mean i know that they are they've got some merger of some uh, of some point but still that live money is out there and and attracting golfers and that's what keeps that particular part of the debate alive all right, so that's what's on tap for tonight. We'll also try and squeeze in some comments from Coastal Carolina head coach. I know we've been promising it for the past couple of days, but we will hear from Tim Beck tonight. You'll as he never get to it. You will never get to it. <laughs> that's what we do here on Sports Talk, over-promise and under-deliver. We don't go the, the route which you're supposed to do is under-promise and over-deliver. We try and uh, throw so much at you at one time that we can't get to it all. But we'll do our best here tonight to get to uh, some Tim Beck comments as the uh, Shauna Clears get ready to head to Hawaii. Team actually leaving out on Monday to head over to Honolulu to get ready to uh, face San Jose State next Saturday in the Hawaii Bowl. We'll also hear from Brad Brownell tonight on the program as well. Clemson's got a huge, and I mean massive, game tomorrow. Smitty on the road at Memphis. It'll be a 3 p.m. tip-off, and it's going to be one of those games I think is almost much, if you're a college basketball fan, that's one you've got to tune in and see because the uh, Tigers going for a, a perfect 10 tomorrow, trying to get to 10-0 on the season. It could really, because in, when Brownell talked on Wednesday, the one thing he commented about was how much that snub from last year, missing out on the NCAA, they believe they were a tournament team. I thought they were a tournament team. They had some losses that clearly kept them out of the NCAA tournament. And then predictably, much like Florida State and Georgia, they didn't show up for the NIT and they got beaten by Moorhead State to to end the season. But that has fueled them into this year. So what happened last year may actually be a blessing for this season, not so much last year. But they win tomorrow 
at a, a Memphis team that's 7-2, and two, and they are inside the top, I want to say inside the top 15 in RPI and also in the net rankings right now, at least top 25 in the net. That's another road win, quad one win, that when Clemson's resume is reviewed in late February and early March, even if they don't win the ACC, it's going to be awfully difficult. If they continue to play this well, it's going to be awfully difficult to keep them out. Yeah, and I'm glad that they're playing this game because this is going to be telling for us about Clemson, about who mm-hmm. they are. Uh, I just glanced at Memphis and, and some of the teams they've taken down. They beat Mizzou earlier in the season by 15 points. They beat Michigan. They beat Arkansas. Yeah, they have good. beaten uh, VCU, which is historically a good program, and they've beaten Texas A&M, and their two losses are to Ole Miss, uh, a three-point loss to Ole Miss and a loss to Villanova. So this Memphis team now is tested. I don't think Clemson is really has not been battle-tested. But that, that's not through no fault of their own. You know, sometimes you play a team that's not as good this year as they were supposed to be. The real test was that South Carolina game, and they mm-hmm. came through. They really, and of course I was there for that one, covering that one for Sports Talk. That one was a game where they absolutely executed down the stretch. They showed they knew what they needed to do and who they were. They knew where to go with the ball, whose players, uh, what plays to run without Brownell. It just seemed like they weren't even, he wasn't even having to call them. They just knew what they wanted to do as an offense. So I feel like this is a Clemson team. You said a, a tournament team. I think they're absolutely, positively, 100% going to the tournament this year. I think it's just a matter of what number they land on the seed line and how tested they are going into the tournament. And this is exactly the kind of game, not just ACC play, games like this against competition that you've got to get ready for pretty quickly, have to scout, figure out who they are, what their strengths are, and how to take them away. And that's what Clemson has not been able to do in the past simply because they weren't a tournament team. They didn't get those tests. This is one is a test just like that. So I love this matchup. I think, as you said, it's, it's one of those things. It will be revelatory. We'll find out a lot about Clemson by tomorrow night. I realize it's December the 15th. It's easy to get overly excited about the uh, starts both the Gamecocks and Tigers have had. So take this with a grain of salt. But Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist for ESPN in his most recent bracketology, has Clemson on the three line, which I think is quite low for them. I I think they're a one or two line right now. But nonetheless, that's got them squarely in the tournament. They're the 12th overall seed, according to him. And South Carolina is one of the uh, last four teams with, with a bye. Not the last four in, not the first four out, but the last four with a bye. So they are squarely in the field right now as well as the Gamecocks get ready to host Charleston Southern tomorrow in a game they should win with, without much difficulty. So, Smitty, at this point in time, and I told Phil this, and he keeps reminding me, the tournament doesn't start this weekend. But if it did, you'd have Clemson in there as a, perhaps a three seed and the Gamecocks somewhere around a 14 or 15 seed going into the tournament this year. Yeah, it would be a great year for those two together. Boy, when's the last time those two both made the field? That's a really good question. I'd have to go back in. Because I don't think any of South Carolina's big years or the year they went to the Final Four, I don't think Clemson was in. 2017, I don't think they were in. And, you know, the 97-98 run that the Gamecocks had when they were – one of the best teams in the SEC. I, I can't remember. Clemson may have been. Was that a Larry? That may have been a Larry Shiat team. So that one didn't have much of a chance. <laughs> wow. I'd, I'd have to look. That's a great I, question. Maybe yeah. I'll look during the break. Or maybe, you know what? Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Does anybody remember the last time they both got in? But, Chris, you say that. And here's, here's the, what Phil may not have said about both clubs getting in. When, when 
has the committee given either of those programs the benefit of the doubt? Never. I can answer that one squarely. Never. I've always said, and it was proven last year, Clemson and South Carolina have to do more than most teams. You take Clemson's resume, same resume, and apply it to North Carolina or Duke last year, they're in the tournament. But because it's a non-blue blood with no tradition for the most part and no rich history of NCAA tournament appearances, they're out. The year that Carolina, before the Final Four run, the 2016 team should have also been in the NCAA tournament. That was the one that, of course, it leaked out that they were in, and then we all found out, no, they weren't. That team would have been if they were North Carolina or Duke. That resume would have been enough to get them in. But those two schools have to do more. And partly it's their own faults. They just have not been a prevalent top-of-mind program for the committee for so long that I think they pay for it when you leave it up to the committee and nine times out of ten, Clemson and South Carolina are going to be left out. What the Tigers and the Gamecocks are trying to do thus far, and Clemson certainly is uh, trying to take it out of the committee's hands. Make it where they can't leave you out as opposed to flipping a coin to see whether or not you should get in. Okay, we have our answer. 97 and 98, both, it was. both okay. clubs made the NCAA tournament. It's been that long. And, that, and by scary. the way, that was, that was Rick Barnes, okay? Because yes, okay. Larry yeah. Shiat took over 98, let's see, from 98 to 2003. So, he, yes, so the Barnes last season at Clemson, he took them to the tournament for the third consecutive time. So 1998 was the last time wow. that both South Carolina and Clemson were in the NCAA tournament at the same time. That's amazing. And that's also really sad, isn't it? That's yeah, I, why it's really hard for those of us who like college basketball in our state to get excited on a program like this and get fans interested because they, fans have been burned so many times. And I don't blame Gamecock nor Tiger fans for not getting overly excited as to where the teams are right now because, as I mentioned to you earlier today, Smitty, I think both are waiting for the other shoe to fall. Sooner or later, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to you know, lose a game to a team they have no business losing to, and that's going to derail really, really good season. Yeah, and Chris, one of the things we wanted to get to tonight, and, uh, and, and, and we'll, we will try, but is some of the major stories of 2023. What were some of the biggest stories of 2023 and, and maybe parse, in our state, in our state, mm-hmm. Concerning this state, the Palmetto State, what are the biggest sports stories that came out of this year? And one of the ones I brought up to you off air was, how about P.J. Hall returning for his senior year? Something major happening for Clemson basketball, a player who could be on his way to the NBA. He starred in this state at Dorman High School, multiple state championships. Then he goes on, he picks Clemson. Big coup for Brad Brownell. He's an all-conference performer, and he returns for his senior season. I don't know. Is, is that a big deal? It's a big deal to me. It's a very yeah. big deal to me covering Clemson basketball, but I don't know how much Clemson hoops moves the needle, and I don't know how much South Carolina hoops moves the needle when they're not really, really good uh, or on a winning streak the way that they are right now. I just I don't know where we are as a state right now in terms of embracing those those programs because, as you said, I think I think the – Fan bases are a little bit calloused, almost mm-hmm. as if, you know what, they're just going to disappoint us one way or the other. Yep. Either they won't get in, they'll deserve to get in the tournament and they won't make it, or they'll disappoint us late in the season and they'll fall apart and won't make the tournament, won't deserve it. So it's one of the two, or everybody transfers out. 
as soon as you have a good team. So it was such a big story for P.J. Hall to return mm-hmm. to Clemson, and they're off to such a good start this season. And I was there. Great energy. Carolina Clemson, great energy in the rivalry game there at Little John Coliseum. I just I'm I'm curious to see if if that intensity holds throughout the season for both those programs and those fan bases. And I'm not picking on the fan bases. I'm I'm actually saying this is this is what's happened to you. This is uh whatever whatever. I mean, we could go back a long, long way to talk about this. You know, Frank McGuire, Rick Barnes leaving, and uh, you know, we could, we could go through the annals of what's happened to those two programs. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if the intensity holds. So we'll hear from Brad Brownell a little bit later on, and he'll reference what happened to his team last year and how it scarred them. And he thinks that's been a big help for his team this year because they don't want to have to go through that again next season or this season rather all right triple eight eight nine eight two five two five we'll chat with danny reed the voice of georgia's southern football coming up in a few moments to uh, preview the first bowl game of the year the myrtle beach bowl over in conway set for tomorrow morning but first let's hear from you up on the uh, sports talk phone lines at again triple eight eight nine eight two five two five and our leadoff batter tonight is andy in columbia andy good evening welcome into sports talk I had a lead off because you know this is one of my favorite days of the year. There's nothing like a PFF. <laughs> we appreciate you coining nothing that phrase for us. <laughs> now, I got to tell you, have y'all read the letter that Mr. Hancock sent to Senator Scott? It's funny you bring that up because that was in our news notes. I, I did like his response to him, but I, I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you go ahead and explain. Well, my response, I think he said, STFU, mind your own business, <laughs> and move on. <laughs> I mean, they, Learn they how to run knowing... the country before you try to run the NCAA. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you respond, if you're Bill Hancock and you respond to Senator Rick Scott by saying, knowing how busy you are, thank you very much for taking the time to write about college football. Andy, I don't, I don't think your assessment is incorrect at all. And I agree with him. I mean, I, I think our politicians should have much more uh, impressive, you know, pressing matters to deal with than worrying about the college football playoff. My other question is the star of sports talk from the Bergie Palace going to be in Hawaii? Yes, indeed, I am taking the no. missus, and we're heading out star. Tuesday. No, no, You're I'm sorry. I'm not the star. You're right. I'm talking no. about Mr. Finn. <laughs> no, unfortunately, we can't. He's got to stay here. We've we found a place that we're going to. Uh, he's got a, a favorite little doggy kennel. It's a uh, um, place that he enjoys going over, like doggy daycare during the day. They also have doggy nighttime care. So he's going to be staying there here in Florence. So no, unfortunately, Finn, even though he's sitting right here and could uh, bite my nose off right now for saying this, he is not going to be able to go to Hawaii with uh, the missus and I. Well, you should bring him a layback and a nice Hawaiian shirt so that, you know, he can at least think that he enjoyed himself there. (laughs) But, Chris, I want to tell you, have a good trip there. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Don't don't let it be all business. Let it be more pleasure than business. But one last thing, uh, I know Mr. Smith responded about this, about the bowls. To me, the bowls are about as exciting as if I would have sat down last night and watched – NFL on prime, you know, watching 63 points scored by the um, Oakland Raiders who can't score a point against most normal teams. I mean, my Lord, are the Chargers terrible or what? 
Yeah, they fumbled what I think four times in the first quarter. They weren't they weren't there. They weren't there I, I, mentally. I, I looked online at the score and saw it was twenty one nothing with what like twelve ten minutes to go in the first quarter. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what what's going on there? And I was like, this guy's not going to last. If he lasts a year, it'll be a miracle. But um, do you think that um actually? What they're talking about, Belichick going out there is going to happen since they fired both the GM and the coach? That's a good question. I, I I thought Belichick was going to simply retire to San Diego, but maybe he's going to take everything over because there are there are strong rumors that he and Robert Kraft will part ways after the season. But, uh, but that's a done deal now in New England. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I heard after week 10, the loss, that they were pretty much done. Yeah, that's over with. Andy, as always, thank you. Appreciate you, Andy. have a great weekend, fellas. Will do. We'll take a break, our first. And when we come back, we are going to have Danny Reed join us. We're talking Myrtle Beach Bowl on the other side. This is Sports Talk. And welcome back to Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. We have got Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, joining us in just moments to preview the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Big event happening right here in our state. Georgia Southern set to square off with Ohio. But uh, also, hey, public service, we've got to mention a couple of notes. First of all, Kyle Kennard out of Georgia Tech announced this morning he's going to be joining the Gamecocks next season after four years at Georgia Tech. Kennard is the seventh commitment for Shane Beamer from the transfer portal. So, yes, now we have to just keep up with everything from the transfer portal. Right. have to keep count of that. And also the Shrine Bowl of the Carolinas happening tomorrow. Viking Stadium in Spartanburg. I will be there covering it for Sports Talk. But we also had a question off air about how you can watch it live. Chris, you've got the answer. I do, actually. It's going to be live. There is a TV network. Uh, some stations up in North Carolina will focus, obviously, our interest on South Carolina stations. If you're in the upstate, WLOS out of Greenville, Spartanburg, and Asheville, their alternate channel, uh, My Network, is where you can find the game in Columbia. WOLO with MeTV. Same with Myrtle Beach, WFB, uh, X, excuse me, WFXB, the MeTV station in Myrtle Beach, and also in Charleston, WCIV 36, the My Network uh, station there, and Aiken and Augusta, that's on WRDW 12.3, the My Network. So again, you'll have to find the alternate uh, stations there, but you should be able to find it anywhere in the state starting at 1230 with the uh, kickoff set for 1 o'clock tomorrow for the Shrine Bowl. Good to have them back on television. Smitty, though, I know you and I both are longtime radio guys. I can remember the uh, longtime Shrine Bowl radio network, and I kind of miss that that's no longer around. Yeah, and for years I was doing the Shrine Bowl on television as part of, of ESPN's coverage, and so now they've moved on. They've pulled the plug. I don't think I had any – I was not at the meeting, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> But uh, Bahakal Sports is now taking it over. Right. And uh, you can also find the game streaming if you go to BahakalSports.com. That's B-A-H-A-K-E-L. And uh, anyway, so you, there should be some way to find it. And again, same with the Myrtle Beach Bowl, both just kind of important events that our state hosts that we're really proud to have here. 
And speaking of the Myrtle Beach Bowl, tomorrow the 42-game march to the national championship game begins with the smorgasbord of bowl games. We've got seven, believe it or not, seven games tomorrow, and it will start bright and early at Brooks Stadium over in Conway. The Myrtle Beach Bowl, the first one of the year, and it's our pleasure to welcome to the program the radio play-by-play voice of Georgia Southern Athletics as the Eagles get set to face Ohio. He is also well-known in our state, former voice of the Citadel Bulldogs, also an outstanding beat reporter for the Charleston Post and Courier. He also served as the public address announcer for the Charleston River Dogs as we say hello to Danny Reed down at Myrtle Beach. Danny, welcome to Sports Talk. How are you doing tonight, brother? Chris, I don't like being here and you not being here. This is weird. <laughs> you're further east than I am, and that's a rarity. Normally I get to the furthest east. <laughs> so how has uh, the week been with the Myrtle Beach Bowl? And I'm guessing you guys probably didn't get to experience it much since Statesboro is not all that far from Myrtle Beach, but in terms of what you guys have done and the team has done, how has everybody enjoyed the uh, festivities thus far? Well, the team's raved about it. They got here on Tuesday. They've been set at the – Marriott Beach Resort, which is fantastic accommodations for them being up here for the last few days. They've had a chance to go to Dave and Buster's. They had a bowling outing. They had their graduation ceremonies for seven of the seniors last night, and that was a really well-done thing. They, they take that really seriously with the soul ceremony that's been done in Statesboro for, oh, close to a decade now, but that, that's something that they really value. The fall class is usually a little bit smaller, so they, they handle that really well, and that's something that I've always been really impressed with in the terms of the radio crew. We didn't get up here until yesterday. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee on Tuesday with men's basketball. We took on the volunteers. That didn't go too well, but having to get back to town and then grab another bag. Well, I guess repack a bag that already was packed and then get up here on Thursday and then to play bright and early 11 a.m. tomorrow against a team that you've never seen before. You're familiar with the Mac, but never played Ohio before, been close to playing Ohio a couple of different times but to now be on the same field with them and then being on the other sideline. They're coming in 9-3. and three. Georgia Southern is in pretty bad need of a victory after four straight losses to end the season. They've had three weeks to stew on that App State loss. So, yeah, the fact that it's not only a bowl game, but it's the very first bowl game and a chance to show everybody that that game and those four games were just an aberration and not the way things have turned into, it, this is really important for this program. Danny, when folks tune in tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, and that's going to be an early kick time, but when they uh, brush the sleepy out of their eyes and look at Georgia Southern, they're probably going to scratch their eyes again because this isn't your typical father's Georgia Southern (laughs) football team, is it? You guys have totally revamped what you're trying to do offensively, and it seems like it is starting to take hold. Yeah, gone are the days of ground and pound with three backs for the option with Tracy Hamm and Adrian Peterson, Paul Johnson, and Eric Russell. It was when Clay Helton came in last year that the offense was, in their terms, modernized and in a way of looking at it. They still run the football about 30 times per game, but there aren't very much in terms of option principles as part of the scheme. But O.C. Brian Ellis, who came in from Western Kentucky a couple spells there, he had also worked with Coach Helton out at USC. But he is a Georgia guy. He's a middle Georgia guy. This has been a lot to him to be able to come back here after he played at Peach County and won a state championship. What he has done with two six-year quarterbacks is really impressive. To score more than 30 points per game. Wide receiver Caleb Hood owns just about every major receiving record that Georgia Southern has. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, you got to put that in the proper context because it was a whole lot of passing over the first 40 years. But for the person that Caleb is, you value the stats that he has put up that much more because he came to Statesboro 
when the team was running the option. So when he realized, wait, you mean I'm going to catch the ball maybe 10 times a game as opposed to 10 times a season? Okay, I'm all on board for that. He had 87 catches last year. He's coming into this game with 94. That's a school record. He has a chance to be the first Sunbelt guy, I think, in 11 years that can have 100 catches. He has a shot at a 1,000-yard season. I know this is a really good Ohio defense, but it's a glimpse that the current state of college football requires that maybe you don't do things exactly the same as everybody. Everybody's got their own version of tempo. There's very few teams that are still run heavy and option-based. But if you can get the people that you believe in, give them a system that they can thrive in and get a fan base that buys in, then that's something that you can really build upon. And, yeah, Clay Helton might be 12 and 13 over the course of his two seasons in Statesboro, but when you change so much, so drastically, so quickly, it takes time. And patience isn't something that Eagle fans have a ton of, but they've had to exercise it a little bit. And I think tomorrow would do a lot in terms of ending the season on a good note. It would be a winning record. A bowl trophy rings for those guys and a chance for that group to celebrate the journey that they've been on together. Uh, Danny Reed joining us, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, as Georgia Southern prepares to take on Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Danny, look, we don't have to go over this ad nauseum. We know that the transfer portal and opt-outs have become a part of our reality. Duke is about to play in a bowl game without their head coach, quarterback, running back, or half their defense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Georgia Southern, on the other hand, now let, now you correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been scouring kind of the, the Internet. It looks like Georgia Southern's intact heading into this game. Is there a secret to that? What do you think led to that? It, it's very, very minimal. You had two guys declared for the NFL draft. Four guys did go into the portal and will not be available for this contest. But it really shows that the guys that Coach Helton brought in good players but you can really understand the kind of people that they are for an age where a lot of athletes are chasing the buck and whether that's right or wrong that's up to the athlete but for guys to stay here believe in this process and want to be part of getting Georgia Southern back to where it believes that it should be to look at a roster that is just about fully intact whereas I'll I'll use Coastal as an example 19 guys I think I saw that are in the portal that, that's almost an entire one side too deep of the football. But for Georgia Southern, you're going to have just about every major gun that you ended the season with, and you might get some guys back from injury if things fall right. But I do believe that the people that they brought in, the culture that they've established, people want to be a part of this instead of run away from it. Danny, if I'm not mistaken, speaking of guys not available, and I'm not so sure it's from transfers or not, but Ohio's down to quarterback number three, if I'm not mistaken. How big of an advantage do you think that is for Georgia Southern tomorrow, and especially defensively, or is that a great concern because you're not quite sure what you'll see out of him? Well, in one way, you're thinking that Curtis Rourke no longer being the quarterback benefits Georgia Southern, a former MAC Offensive Player of the Year. He just committed to Kurt Signetti in Indiana, a chance to play his final season in the Big Ten. But in another way, when you go to a guy like Parker Navarro, the UCF transfer, who's only thrown 10 passes all year and has only played about 100 snaps, in one way you think, well, this should be chop-licking time for an Eagle defense that's been much more aggressive in 22 than they were, or I'm sorry, in 23 than they were in 22. But in another way, Navarro's a really good runner. He is their longest carry of the season 
for a guy that's only played 100 snaps. He had a 52-yard run against Kent State earlier this season, and nobody else has had a run like that. So, yeah, he is their number three quarterback, but more than capable of giving them some firepower. They're also down their top two running backs who transferred. Three of their top four wide receivers are in the portal. But the one that is that may be their best overall guy in Sam Wigless, who began his career at Ohio State. He's been first-team All-Mac each of the last two seasons. So it's not to say that the cupboard is bare, but let's just say the cans have been turned a different way. I want to go back to a comment you made to open up the show about what the teams have been able to do, especially from a Georgia Southern perspective at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. From an outsider's point of view, if you will, from your perspective, how good has the committee treated both teams and how excited are both teams, especially Georgia Southern? I would think maybe not quite the destination you were hoping for, a place you actually come play every other year. But how has the team sort of responded to playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl and how good a job do you think the uh, committee has done in making sure both teams have an enjoyable uh, lead up to the game tomorrow? It's been wonderfully well run, having a chance to have our pep rally tonight over at the Hangout. We actually had a one-hour show on the network where we had Coach Helton, some players. We talked with some members of our NIL collective, just showing you where college athletics has gone and the support that's been generated and the buy-in that has to take place if everybody is going to succeed and everybody's going to pull on the same side of that rope. But honestly, for Georgia Southern, like we talked about a little bit earlier, when you end a regular season with four straight losses after at one point being in contention, to control your own destiny and win the East Division in the Sunbelt Conference, which is a terrifically difficult division, and then you lose four in a row and you have that taken away from you. If you don't get this bowl, those seniors end their careers with a 55-27 loss against your arch rival. And then for Ohio, they were thinking that, well, went to a MAC championship last year, didn't get a chance to win that game, came back this year. They were the preseason favorite in the MAC East. They win nine games. They just missed out on getting back to Detroit. And for them, they're out to prove that a 6-6 six and six Georgia Southern should be on the same field as them, regardless of how many guys are or are not on the roster. So there's some compelling storylines on both sides. And the fact that it's at 11 a.m. means that whoever answers the bell that much earlier should be in position to get this win. Steak, eggs, and grits on pregame for tomorrow morning? You know it, baby. <laughs> Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern Athletics, kind enough to join us from Myrtle Beach, getting ready for the first bowl game of the 2023 postseason. Myrtle Beach Bowl as Georgia Southern takes on Ohio. Danny, we really appreciate the time. We'll let you get to bed because you've got to get up pretty early tomorrow and get to work, and we wish you guys all the best of luck tomorrow against Ohio. Chris, thanks a lot. You guys have a good day. All right, pal. This is Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern Athletics. At 11 o'clock for a football game, local time or not. Smitty, that's early. You got to be ready to go right off the bat at eleven o'clock in the morning. That's that's kind of early. Yeah, brunch special there. But hey, <laughs> hey, get get uh, get TV, get the spotlight on us here in South Carolina. Anything we can do to get that national spotlight, I'll take it. I'm so Myrtle Beach is such a great destination city. I've look, I've been singing that particular chorus for a long time. I've always believed Myrtle Beach especially this time of year, is built for it. The hotels are mm-hmm. available in the winter. So anytime we get the chance to host any kind of golf tournament or a bowl game or in Myrtle Beach perhaps a, uh, you know, kind of a preseason basketball tournament, ideal location. We need to do it more.
I would agree. I would agree, and I think they've done a terrific job thus far. And I was wondering if Georgia Southern would be overly excited about being there because they get to play, obviously, Coastal every other year in Conway. But from Danny's point of view, when you lose four in a row, you can't be too picky. And it sounds like those guys are ready to go, and I'm sure Ohio will be as well. 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, the bowl season gets underway. The Coastal Carolina Shauna Clear is also going bowling next Saturday in Hawaii. We'll let you hear from their head coach. Coming up next as we roll on here on Sports Talk on a busy Friday. If an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. 
Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Sports Talk Media Network on a Friday night. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps with George Bryant and MJ Ward. Jumps after 7.30. Lee Sterling and his Sterling picks. We've got some bowl games. We want to set the table right after 7 o'clock. Plus, we'll try and squeeze in some comments from Brad Brownell about the uh, Tigers' big matchup with Memphis coming up tomorrow. And, of course, it would not be sports talk if we did not have a recruiting report. And Phil has sent us a rather juicy recruiting report that we'll get to after 7 o'clock as well. 888-898-2525 if you'd like to uh, join us here on the uh, program. Again, 888-898-2525. And don't forget, tomorrow up on the website, Smitty will be at the Shrine Bowl, so we'll have complete coverage of the uh, Shrine Bowl of the Carolinas and all the basketball tomorrow. Gamecocks hosting a doubleheader, women in the afternoon, men in the evening, and, of course, the Clemson-Memphis game, all that up on our website at sportstalkfc.com. Thanks to Danny Reed of Georgia Southern. They kick off bowl season tomorrow. Meantime, the team that plays at Brooks Stadium full-time will be getting ready to vacate and head to Hawaii. They'll be out there all next week. Well, Coastal Carolina, Shauna Clear is taking on San Jose State. First ever meeting between the two. That one's set for a Saturday evening kickoff out in Honolulu. And earlier this week, the head coach of the Shauna Clears, Tim Beck, met with the media to size up this week and how things have been a little different with a bowl game in town as the Shauna Clears get ready for for a bowl game out of town. Incredible two weeks. Uh, we're super excited about going to the game. I think our players, um, coaching staff, families, uh, fans, what a great opportunity, right? It's once in a lifetime. You get to go to the Rock and and uh, play a football game, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, but I tell you what, it's been it's been uh, it's taken up a lot of time. Um, not just that where we're at, you know, I kind of jokingly between, you know, finals, graduation, right? You got bowl prep as you're trying to prep and you got to fly, I don't know, thousands of miles away to do that with a five-hour time difference to try to communicate with them. You got uh, transfer portal, you got recruiting, uh, you got Christmas, right? Uh, just I want more stuff. Like what we got the bowl game here. We can't. We got to move our locker room out of here and to the gymnasium so we can practice because we can't use our facility. So as much as we, I just want more. Like what else we can do? Just give me more stuff to do. So. San Jose State kind of had a uh, similar, uh, you know, uh, season to y'all. They had a big winning streak towards the end of the year. Yeah. They're obviously a good team. Anyone who gets a bowl eligible is a good team. You know. Uh, well, what are you kind of seeing from them? You know, what do you expect uh, from them at coming out of the game? You know, from what you've seen from them. Yeah, the really good team, um, very uh, physical offensive football team. Going to run the ball, um, well coached, detailed. Uh, backs the third leading. Uh, he's he's third in the country in rushing touchdowns. Um, uh, they're as a team, 
They're third in the country in turnover margin. They're plus 13. Uh, that's how they're winning. I mean, they're, they they take care of the football and they get the football. Defensively, they're a bend but don't break. Uh, you got to beat them, and they, they try to out-physical you. It's a little bit of Tim Beck. Of course, uh, you can catch his comments up on our website from Wednesday at sportstalksc.com. And, Smitty, they're going to have their hands full against San Jose State next weekend. This is a, a San Jose State team that is uh, third nationally in turnover margin. They also have a running back who is third nationally in terms of rushing touchdowns on the season. So this is no slouch. And you factor in, as Tim Beck pointed out, you factor in the Myrtle Beach Bowl being in town. So the Shauna Clears have basically had to exit their facility. They've tried to recruit and bring guys on campus, and they can't really show them their locker room because of what's going on with the bowl game. And then, oh, by the way, they've got a 10-hour flight in front of them the first of next week to get ready for the bowl game. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was just listening to Tim Beck talk, and, boy, the season really has taken so many twists and turns. I remember, Chris, you and I were at, were at a high school jamboree together, and I said to you, what is the team going to look like? You said, look, I don't know. I don't know much because we don't. We know Grayson McCall will come back, and we know a little bit about Tim Beck's offense from watching some of the film where at his previous stops where he was a coordinator, but we don't really know – what a twist and turn, uh, a twisty, turny season this has mm-hmm. been. I mean, no more Grayson McCall. So this is just a completely different Shauna Clears team than it was not just 12 months ago, maybe just three months ago. Yeah, no, they're entirely different. And the quarterback situation is interesting. Grayson McCall committing to NC State earlier this week. Tim Beck non-committal as to whether or not any of the guys in the transfer portal would actually travel with the team out to Hawaii. You know, nobody's going to feel sorry for Coastal about their bowl destination, <laughs> regardless of what else they have to deal with. I mean, when you get to go to Hawaii, it's, as they pointed out, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I'm not sure there are that many people that are going to be terribly disappointed about what they're dealing with right now, but it's a lot on the team. And Tim Beck brought up something I had not really considered about how difficult it is right now with the, the way the transfer portal timing is plus with the early signing period, trying to re-recruit your own players, trying to, let's take Georgia Southern, for instance. What is Clay Hilton and his staff, how difficult has it been for them this week, Smitty, trying to recruit, re-recruit their own players, do you know visits as best they can, and also, oh, by the way, get ready for a bowl game. Not only do the rules need to be addressed, Chris, the calendar needs to be addressed yeah, in, in, in CAA football. All right, we will slide out for a timeout. Plenty more bowl talk to come. Lee Sterling and his Sterling picks right around the corner, plus some big recruiting reports. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps on this Friday night here on Sports Talk. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Well, Corn is off tonight, spending some time with his family. So it is a corn-free Friday, but you've got me, Smitty. You have Chris Bergen in his Placial Studios in the PD, and you have Easy Going Josh Cohen here as our producer tonight. We will get right to it. The reason many of you tune in are Sterling Picks with Lee Sterling. Lee, welcome back to Sports Talk. Thank you so much. Glad to be back with you. And uh, 
It's actually a little sad. It'll be our last interview until the Friday before the Super Bowl. We'll reconvene then and do a Super Bowl prediction, some fun and some serious props. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, that's the week where no one really cares about me. They care about my daughter. She hopefully will predict the over-under on the national anthem for 11 straight years. <laughs> That's right. You're kidding. 11 straight year? Wow. She's, she's won it 10 straight years. She takes it very seriously. She That's even dumped How about this? We have a family fantasy league, and it's my brother, his four sons, me, my nephew, my brother-in-law, and uh, a cousin who lives in Philadelphia. My daughter dumped dumped her boyfriend and said, you go with the my other daughter's fiancé. They had finished in last and second to last the last two years. So she joined with my oldest daughter, and they're now leading the fantasy league. So she uh, she, she does not take kindly to losing. Okay. Okay. You have a competitive yep. family, Lee. Oh, very, very. But my oldest isn't so bad. My oldest is not bad at all. She used to cheer on those competitive teams, and her team won world. She was like on a team of 30 girls. She was like the 27th or 28th best, and she didn't get real upset when they lost. But my youngest, the one who's an actress, uh, she used to cheat at everything just to make sure she won. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lee, Lee, to me, bowl season is is so tricky. And so I want to hear your thoughts on yep. this as we get into some of uh, the games that we can discuss. Like Clemson and Kentucky, and this is a good one because at, at this yep. point, Lee, you're not just handicapping the teams, but also motivation, right. opt-outs, also coaching changes. Yep. Kind of sometimes, uh, like Penn State lost Manny Diaz, who's now the head coach at Duke. Right. That's probably going to affect that defense. So when you look at Clemson and Kentucky, what's the motivation for these two clubs, and, and how do you? What's your handicap? Well, it, it takes a lot longer. It used to take me about twenty twenty-five minutes a game. I usually started. I remember. Five, six years ago, I would start like on a Tuesday morning and go through Wednesday night. I had to start this year on Saturday. It took me 25 to 30 minutes per game just to fill out the two deep roster on each team. So it is that more. It's just, I mean, look at, look at situations in this game. Mark Stoops, I mean, he was, he was basically packing his bags uh, probably spending some time on Zillow looking at College Station, Texas real estate before that deal fell apart. But he has been able to keep this team pretty much intact. They look like they're doing pretty darn good in the portal, too. Uh, I don't think that Dabo Sweeney wrote playing the, the Gator Bowl as one of his goals for the 2023 season. I was at the game last year. The game, my daughter sang the National Anthem when Clemson played down here in the Orange Bowl. They did not play well. They, the Tennessee was much more focused in that game. And how about this? Kentucky 24-1 straight up in their last 25 non-conference games. 9-1 against the spread when both teams are coming off non-conference games. Clemson beat South Carolina. The Wildcats ended up beating Louisville here. The clincher, both favorites off consecutive wins. you got to play some systems here. The last one, a revenge victory, are one and eight against the spread. If they scored sixteen points or fewer in that victory, Tigers beat the Gamecocks sixteen seven. Um, I'm going to go with Kentucky here. I play a lot of underdogs before uh, the December 31st bowls here. 
I think Kentucky pulls off the upset here, 24-20. All right. That, a lot of Tiger fans listening don't like nope. that one. But uh, Kentucky, oh, I know. I know. one of those teams, too, and I don't know how you feel about this, Lee, but kind of like good running teams, physical teams that play good defense, they seem to perform well during the bowl season. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you can run, it's going to set up the play action here. Now, Kentucky's been up and down. I mean, there you never know. You know, if they fall behind, I think it's going to be tough for them. But, you know, Mark, he, he takes these bowls serious here, Mark Stoops. Uh, he uses it in recruiting. He, uh, you know, likes to play against teams from Power Five conferences and – I think he's a darn good coach. It's going to be a good game. All right. And also, uh, yep. Clemson, by the way, very good defense, we should say as well. Now, yep. teams right. that we know where the motivation is going to be, two more games you can help us with, Lee. Texas yep. and Washington and Michigan and Alabama. Yep. Um, so, let's look at the first game. Let's look at uh, the Texas-Washington game. I think this is the easier of the two games to call. The Texas defense gave up only 80 yards per game rushing. Uh, during the season, number four in the nation here. When you get inside their 20-yard line, they do give up some big plays, but you get inside the 20, the windows get very tight to throw against that pass defense. And I, I love the way Quinn Ewers looked the last couple games. Now, the first game back from that shoulder injury didn't look 100%, but the last couple games he has looked the best maybe he's ever looked. I think their offensive line is underrated. Also, a huge home field advantage for Texas. It's going to be like 80-20 or 85-15 Texas fans compared uh, to Washington Husky fans. I like Texas big, 38-28. All right, and uh, of course, of course, the Pac-12 has not fared that well during the college football playoff, we can mention as well. How about Michigan and Alabama? Really tight spread here. I think the money opened up on Alabama here. It's got all the way down to a one-point spread. Yeah, so uh, Michigan's only a one-point favorite now. If you like Alabama, I say play it now. If you like Michigan – Wait, I think Alabama's going to close a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Just give it time. Michigan, I bet against them the last two years in the semifinal. I just didn't think they matched up, didn't think they were ready. I think this is the game they've been waiting for. I think they'd love to take their time, go on some 10, 12, 14, 15 play drives here, eat up seven, eight minutes of clock, and if they get the lead, I think Alabama – might end up trying, you know, to hit on big plays. And when that happens sometimes, you know, you get sacks, interceptions. I think this Michigan defense is underrated here. Thought that Georgia was overrated all year long. Now, Alabama did play their best game in that game against Georgia, but they had a lot of clunkers. I mean, don't don't base your decision on one game. They got lucky, very lucky against Auburn, had trouble with South Florida, and Texas controlled the entire game in Tuscaloosa, I love Blake Corm. I think he's one of the most underrated running backs in the country. J.J. McCarthy makes all the throws here. Now, how about this? Michigan, only 26 penalty yards per game, which is number one in the country. Alabama, under Nick Saban, 8-20 and 20 against the spread versus teams that average 42 or fewer penalty yards per game here. Michigan finally gets over the hump. I like the Wolverines, 27-20. All right, and Lee, will wrap yep. it up with this. We talk about motivation. The Orange Bowl, yep. such a big event, such a historic event. Many national champions crowned there. But now you've got two yep. teams, Georgia, Florida State. Neither one of them wants to be there. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> uh, someone's going to have to win. Someone's going to have to cover. And I think I figured this game out. 
first five callers, I think there's a, a, a an easy side to this game. Get it for free, Georgia and at Florida State. You want to hop on board. What a year it's been. We've only had two losing Sundays in the NFL. We've won 12 out of 15 college football Saturdays. Uh, you want to get involved. We call it Double Down December. You get three weeks of the NFL. You're going to get – there's 36 bowl games starting tomorrow through December 31st. We'll probably have selections on 20 to 23 of them. You want to get all that, not 397 or even 297 what it was last year, $197, one place, ParamountSports.com. Excellent. Lee, we appreciate it. You made us smarter. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Lee. Take care. There it is, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. We'll take a break here on Sports Talk. And when we come back, Chris Bergen delivers the recruiting report. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wait. It's juicy. (laughs) It's on the hot plate warming. It's under the warming lamp. We'll get to it when we come back. This is Sports Talk. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday. Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Avoiding excess financial stress from the holidays doesn't take a Christmas miracle. All it takes is a Christmas loan from Founders Federal Credit Union. Our Christmas loan is designed to ease your Yuletide expenses so you can focus on what matters most, spreading joy and love. With our great rates, flexible repayment options, and outstanding service, you'll be ready for whatever the holidays might throw your way. So instead of putting that unexpected sleigh repair on next year's wish list, visit foundersfcu.com slash Christmas loan to unwrap your own magic this Christmas. Relax with Founders Federal Credit Union. Terms and conditions apply. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people, and it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. 
Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Friday night here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Chris Bergen alongside Matt Smith, Josh Cohen with you tonight. Phil off for the evening. Pat Daniel wrapping up a week away as well. They'll all reconvene next week. I'll be gone next week. 888-898-2525. We'll get back to your phone calls here in just a couple of minutes. But first, the much-anticipated, never-duplicated, highly-anticipated Recruiting reports brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells, where today, Smitty, was a roast beef Friday, mm. the most coveted day of the week. Not a corn-free Friday over at Seawells, though I don't think he made the buffet, but it was indeed a roast beef Friday at Seawells. Well, more room for everybody else today, then. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, as you probably know by now, one of the better defensive end prospects out of the ACC this past season headed to USC for 2024. Kyle Kennard of Georgia Tech announcing this morning he will join the Gamecocks next season after four years in Atlanta. Kennard is the seventh commitment for Shane Beamer from the transfer portal, John. Kennard played in 42 games with the Yellow Jackets, totaling 115 tackles with 21.5 for loss, 12.5 sacks, and one INT this past season was his best with 54 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, and also six sacks. This weekend, the Clemson Tigers are having in two of their 2024 targets for official visits. One of them is linebacker C.J. Kuba-Taylor of only Maryland. Sweeney wants to bring in, that's Coach Davos, Sweeney wants to bring in one more linebacker in the class. Kuba Taylor has offers from Charlotte, Towson, Marshall, Morgan State, Navy, Temple, and others. The other official visit is with offensive tackle Mason Wade, who is a Duke commitment from Purcellville, Virginia. Wade was offered by the Tigers this past Thursday, and he has been committed to Duke since the middle of June. Auburn, Boston College, Louisville, North Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, Southern Cal, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia, some of his other offers. Earlier in the week, Sweeney and Safeties coach Mickey Kahn welcome back to campus 2025 safety Cam Strong of TL Hanna. Strong has been a regular at Clemson for camps and games. He was at three games this season. He has not been offered by Clemson, but he is expecting that to change soon. Strong said he does not have any more visits planned during this open period, so it appears the focus for him is on the uh, Tigers as he awaits an offer from Clemson. This season, Strong was in on 45 Five tackles had two interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown. Tennessee transfer offensive lineman Addison Nichols was expected to visit Clemson today, according to Paul Strelow of Tiger Illustrated. He is then scheduled to leave Clemson and go to Arkansas for a weekend official visit. That, according to Whole Hog Sports. That's got to be a great website, Smitty. Whole Hog Sports. Yeah, you can do a lot of things with it. (laughs) You can sell some pork and all kinds of cool stuff there. 
All right, elsewhere, let's see here. Uh, Georgia transfer offensive lineman Austin Blasky, who drew interest from Clemson OL coach Matt Luke, committed to North Carolina. Offensive tackle Monroe Mills of Texas Tech is still on his official visit to USC after arriving yesterday. Tight end Brady Hunt of Ball State is scheduled for an official visit this weekend with the Gamecocks. Alabama transferred defensive end Anquan Barnes was offered by USC. The Montgomery native played in two games this season. Wisconsin, Houston, Indiana, Memphis, SMU, and Colorado also have offered. USC target Tennessee Tech transfer safety Gerald Kilgore made his official visit to FAU Wednesday and also yesterday. He is scheduled to visit West Virginia this weekend. He checked in with the Gamecocks last weekend. Vanderbilt transfer wide receiver Will Shepard, who had an offer from USC, has committed to Colorado. And USC offered 2025 offensive tackle Rowan Byrne of New Rochelle, New York. 2026 wide receiver Donovan Murph of Irmo. And also 2026 wide receiver Jordan Gideon of, or is that Gidron, of Ridgeview. And that is the ever-juicy Recruiting report presented by our good friends at Seawells, where you can check them out and enjoy the daily luncheon buffet. And you can also check out all the recruiting news up on our website at sportstalkfc.com. Use the hashtag STRecruiting if you want to see anything on Twitter. All right, birdies, bogeys, and biceps coming up just after the bottom of the hour with George Bryan and also MJ Ward. But let's head back to the phones and visit with you on this Friday night at Triple Eight. 898-2525 as we welcome in Gary from Prosperity. Gary, good evening. Welcome into Sports Talk. Hey, how are y'all tonight? We're um, good, Gary. How about yourself? I, I'm doing great. I, I, I don't get to listen to y'all every night. Y'all may have done recovered this, but I just like y'all's opinion on something. I want to know, did the college football thing get it wrong by dropping Florida State? Or did the Heisman voters get it wrong because Florida State didn't make them because of their quarterback? Smitty, I'll let you chime in on this. Um, I think they got it wrong with regards to Florida State not being in, but I'd be curious of your opinion. Well, honestly, I don't think we've got time because – I mean, I'll give it to you, but I don't think we've got enough time to go through all of this because I really think the college football playoff committee backed themselves into a corner – and they did this on multiple fronts. They have said over and over, head-to-head has to matter. So Texas has to go in. But does anybody, is anybody comfortable? I mean this realistically. Is anybody comfortable crowning a national champion and the SEC champion is not even involved in the tournament? I'm not comfortable with that. If Michigan were to go, and let's say Florida State went without their quarterback, and they blew out Florida State, and then Alabama and Georgia are off playing in other bowl games, is anybody comfortable having, say, Michigan crowned national champion without having to beat Alabama or Georgia? I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I think that's what the committee was forced into. I think they made a huge mistake however many years ago this was, 10 years ago, whatever, when it first came out, when it was first revealed they were going to do four teams. Because the first thing I said to that was, what happens if you have the champions of every major conference go undefeated one season? Mm -hmm. What do you do? What would you do? And this is what we see. It blew up in their face. I don't think there was a right choice. Because had they taken Florida State, I think we would – Gary from Prosperity called and asked us about Florida State. We'd have a different caller calling in saying it's ridiculous not to have Georgia or Alabama represented, whoever was the SEC champion, in a college football national title you know, clinching tournament, and one of the teams in 
yes, undefeated, but was without their quarterback. We just have a different, we just have a simply a different controversy on our hands. So I think the committee is is the real loser here, not Florida State. It's just, I mean, once he didn't get in, they say he finishes fifth, but oh. he gets left. The whole team gets left out. I mean, you know, that, that right there, so, I mean, the Heisman Trophy is no longer its popularity contest as far as. Well, and that's a good point, too. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for the phone call. And, and let me make All that. Right. And, and, and you're right. <laughs> yes. Also, can we stop with the quarterbacks? Is it not possible one year that somebody other than a quarterback is the best, is the most outstanding player in college football? Is it always a quarterback now? Always? Every year? All the know, time? You know, if somebody wanted to do it, they could throw it 40, 50 times a game and let the player in the score was and let him rack up all them stats and he's probably going to win it. Certainly wouldn't hurt. Chris, what was your quick take on You think they screwed up. You would have put Florida State in and just said, well, who else would you have put in? Alabama or Texas then? Uh-oh, we lose Chris. I'll check on it right now. Okay. Maybe we lost Chris quit over the controversy. Simply quit the show. I, I'm simply pointing out. I hope I hope you don't think I'm being mealy-mouthed about this. What I'm saying is it would be a different controversy. If Florida State gets in, now you have to put in either Alabama or Texas. How do you leave out Texas if they beat the SEC champion? And how do you leave the SEC champion in a college football playoff tournament deciding deciding the, the national champion? So, I just, I think the committee made a big mistake. I think the solution would have been, I don't know what this 12-team mess is and trying to award teams buys. I think they're stepping in it again. I would have done, if I'd have been in that room, I would have suggested, how about an eight-team playoff? And all the major champions can go. That makes championship weekend that much more important. Games like Florida State was playing against Louisville, it wouldn't have mattered. There would have been no committee. Automatic bid. And, of course, we'll go to that, but I'm not sure what the 12-team solution is because I feel like that waters it down. But, anyway, no one asked my opinion except for Gary from Prosperity, and we're happy that he did. Uh, I just I think they screwed up. I, and I, I know Chris was going to go with – the Florida State deal, and he was going to suggest Florida State go in. I just, I don't know what you do then because then Bama or Texas is left out, and to me, neither one of those makes much sense either. All right, and uh, yeah, we lost Chris for just a moment. We do have birdies and bogeys coming up in just a moment. We have another quick caller, Hank from Columbia. Hank, we got to squeeze you in. You are a luminary here on Sports Talk. Hey, less Hank. Than, less than a minute. Okay. Hey, Hank. Hey, yeah, if I was calling, um, you know, the NCAA may as well give up. They they had that injunction, and then the NCAA put in that, well, if you played in the 14 days and it was overruled, that uh, it would cost you your redshirt year. And you see that the courts came right back down with it, <laughs> and now they extended it all throughout the spring and basically forbid the NCAA <laughs> yeah. change from taking any year from – so the courts are telling the NCAA, we're not going to let you uh, uh, get back hold of puppet and the kids. <laughs> that you're right yes hank and we got to let you go thanks so much you're absolutely right the ncaa is an ineffectual group and you're right anytime they do try to swing a hammer then somebody takes them to court and wins 
Hank's right. NCAA might as well give up at this point. All right, we'll have to put a pin in that discussion, and we'll do that coming up on the other side uh, next week. On the other side of this break, we've got birdies, bogeys, and biceps. George Bryan, MJ Ward. That's happening when we come back. This is Sports Talk. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Smitty, Chris. I am going. here. Yeah, Chris. I, I didn't go to Hawaii. Chris. I, I haven't left for Hawaii yet. Yeah. I'm still here. We lost you <laughs> at the end of yeah, that I, last segment. I was disappointed. Well, we, but now we turn our attention to the great game of golf. I know many of you uh, like to tune into this each week. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps. George Bryan. And tonight we have a special guest, MJ Ward. George, let's bring you in first. How are you and how's your week been? Oh, better not observe. And I'm uh, in Jacksonville watching the, they call it the Corn Ferry Qualifier, but I'm calling the PGA Tour Qualifier because they're giving out five PGA Tour cards. So I'm better not observe. Glad to be part of it. And you got, we got the, uh, we got biceps. You didn't mention biceps and Robbie Thane. Oh, Robbie's here as well. All right. Good. Got to bring him in quick. We don't. Okay. Well, we will work on that. I don't think we've got Robbie with us, but we do. Oh. But but we know. But you know what, George? Is right before we get to get to the golf segment. Why don't you mention the latest with Tsunami Bar Sports? What's what's happening with your biceps? <laughs> mine, mine, mine are taking a break right this minute uh christmas break they're on holiday and uh so but i tell you what the tsunami bar technology is it's a game changer for golf and those interested in in uh getting some blood flowing getting that central nervous system going it's uh it's probably the only fun technology out there where you can spend a little time with it uh tap into that creative and imaginative place and get a great benefit golf is my thing with the tsunami bar it was in it was invented in the clemson weight room primarily for football players so david abernathy is the co-inventor of the bar and he used to be the strength coach the assistant strength coach at Clemson for strength coach Joey Batson. And it was invented in 2012 for linemen, football linemen. So the indus- I-, I call it the industrial strength side. And, oh, a lot, of this, a lot of the athletes, a lot of the institutions know about the Tsunami Bar. Now, these industrial strengths, uh, uh, I'll call them the uh, – the colleges, professional athletes, the professional teams, they're not going to brag about what they're doing. They're going to keep that – they're going to keep it quiet. But at Tsunami Robbie and my job to talk about the benefits from, I'll call it, the, the civilians, the general population. And so we have a – well, in the next few weeks, we'll have us in Columbia, an expression to come visit and – get demonstration it's the garage sports gym at williams strength which is right on chris drive in west columbia and 
this uh, this will be the first expression where folks can actually come in and take a look. There is Tsunami Bar Training Centers. It is a private gym housed in the Williams Strength Factory. But I tell you right now, in short, it's the only product out there where you can have a lot of fun exercising and get a lot out of it. So, yeah, and you, uh, you got to see it in action. Go to TsunamiBarsports.com, and you can see it in action, and it's really cool. You can watch it right there on the uh, sports, uh, the Birdies and Bogies website, and I think that's uh, – give out that website. So we, we got some videos hung up, and it's pretty interesting to see what can happen with golf. I, I It was invented for the young players, but the biggest beneficiaries are going to be – the folks in my category of age, the seniors, and I have several examples out there that have been using it with unbelievable uh, results. Getting longer, 78, 78 to 82-year-old golfers getting longer with age, and nothing like it. And hey, I, there's uh, the Tsunami Bar. We, in addition, there's uh, some other cool announcements coming up in 2024. We'll just save those for later. All right, all right. Well, good. Well, let us get also, let's do the golf segment here. Uh, George, we have got MJ Ward on with us as well, the golf writer. And uh, I, I suspect you and he can talk a little golf here. I would hope so. Welcome, MJ. Nice to talk with you guys. Privilege having you on, MJ. And I hear we're going to talk about a pretty hot topic, that pro golf. And John Rahm and the Live, and we had Tommy Ganey on just a few weeks ago, and uh, seems to be stirring. I think some announcements could be on the horizon and for 2024. Well, I, 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 you know, sometimes you have to look at it and and say you have to assess things as the hype as much as the reality. I mean, John Rahm could leave because he's already established himself. He's already he's got two majors, so he's not going to have an issue with accessing majors, no matter what tour he wanted to go to. Um, what's shocking is is that you know there are people in the pro golf circuit who will condemn Live uh, in one breath, and then when they got whatever money that they thought they were going to get or get more, it you know they you know they simply opted out. But you know until you have world ranking points. If you're a young player, Liv really has no future for you because you have to have access to play to play golf, and you want to play against the best players. The thing about what you have to look at with Liv, where are they going to be in four or five years? I mean, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal for Liv is they want to be connected to the mainframe of American sports, and golf is a part of that dynamic. So... To, to use as a hypothetical, somebody said to me, be mindful of when the camel's nose gets underneath the tent because when that happens, it's not about just cutting the nose underneath the tent but putting the entire camel underneath the tent. So I think the long, the long term for live is not about John Rahm. It's trying to get a foothold um, in the American sports scene. And, you know, not to put a downer on this, but, you know, and get into the legal lane, but the Justice Department is still watching this, you know, for antitrust situations that could happen here. So, 
you know, there's a lot of different players that are in this mix, so to speak. The ROM headline draws attention, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're at the Q school situation where they're, where the guys are looking to get their future. That is the future of professional golf. That's where it is. I mean, the guys that are there today, they're not known, but in a very short order, they're going to be known players. And then more than likelihood, they're going to be, they're going to be testing themselves out through the PGA Tour apparatus. I mean, it's possible that somebody could come up and do what Rom did and then defect to the live circuit. But live has no real meaningful TV contract. I mean, there are reruns of I Love Lucy that do better than live on television. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no, there's, no, there's no real sponsorship. I mean, no company wants to get associated with the Saudis because then invariably you're going to get questions if they're publicly traded. You're going to get questions about sports washing. You're going to get questions about what happened to Khashoggi and 9-11 um, that's that's a whole that's a rabbit hole that they don't want to go down. So, you know, the PGA Tour has issues. I mean, I don't want to minimize that it's all on Liv's back. I mean, the, the PGA Tour has issues about is it just going to be a tour for elite players, and what happens to the mid-level player, and what happens with them, or or do they even matter? And then the other factor is they have a TV deal coming up soon. I mean, you know, golf doesn't have to be on television. There's no have-to-be's in television. You you have to pay for that privilege, and you have to demonstrate viewership. And Tiger and Phil are not going to be about the future anymore. That, that, that train has long since left the station. So, you know, really, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions on both sides here. But, you know, the future of professional golf, is going to be certainly watch. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out um, because I can't see it going on forever. There's no there's no future for golf being fractured. It's not like football, okay, where you might have a rival league at some point. But even eventually, even that gets condensed because there's only one NFL. There's only one Premier League. There's only one NHL. There's only one NBA. Um, at some point. There is a, a, a you know a nod to reality that you really need to be underneath one umbrella, and I think Liv's ultimate goal at the end of the day is to make sure that they have a seat at the table un- inside the framework of what the PGA Tour is, and then somehow shaping that to fit into the needs of the elite player, and hopefully, probably working something out so that there's a pathway for younger players to really get in the mix of competing for the money that's there. It looks a little bit like it's shaping up because what happens with the live is it does create a lot more opportunity for the young players. And all well, the it PGA does, George, tour, except there's no, there's no world ranking points. I mean, you, you play at your own risk. It's, it's almost like playing a football game. And, and it doesn't show up in the one loss column. It's like you play the game, but, there's no, there's no place that you can gain points. I mean, at the end of the day, your standing in golf is based on the world ranking points. And until Liv gets world ranking points, if you're a 21, 22-year-old who comes out of college, unless they're willing to front money on an unknown entity, it's like any sport. You don't know what a 21, 22-year-old is going to do when he gets all that upfront money. He may produce, he may bomb out. 
So what Liv did is they put their eggs on proven entities. But frankly, I mean, you have to ask yourself, where has Dustin Johnson been since his Masters went? I mean, where's Cameron Smith been? I mean, we can go through a list of some of the guys that went over, and, you know, they really haven't performed up to the level that they were at previously. You know, I mean, we should all be so lucky that we get $100 million and see if we would still be hungry the next day. I mean, um, it's hard to envision how live can be exciting for a young player because at the end of the day, if you don't have world ranking points, you don't have standing in the game. John Rahm's situation is set for life. I mean, he's he's got standing. He's not, you know, he's not really. The, what would be interesting for me is is can live entice somebody like Ludwig from Sweden. If they could get him to go over, that's a door opener because he's going to be a major player on the PGA Tour. And if you can get a younger star, then it'll be interesting to see what would be involved. But without world ranking points, it, it's it's hard to get into all these different events wherever you want to go. I, I just don't see how that's going to be possible. There, There is talk right now of Liv maybe changing their format to 72 holes with a possible cut. Now, if that happens, that may satisfy the the people who are responsible for the world ranking points. Because right now, it's a, it's a closed shop. I mean, the guys who are playing the Corn Ferry, I mean, the qualifier that you're at right now in Jacksonville, they have a pathway to professional golf. You don't come in to live. There is no... I mean, they do have a little bit of what they call a transitional tournament that you can get involved with, but it's kind of limited, and it really isn't the best players. The players who are in Jacksonville right now, that's going to be really the future of, of how you build new stars for the tour. And we'll, we'll see how that all plays that, out. Here, here's the one thing. If TV, TV, if they, and there's a, it's a, a lot of variables, a lot of balls going right now, but TV can get in. with. They got some good ideas bringing the college kids up, and there, there is a new way to play this game. I'm not saying it is the only way, but if TV and the PGA Tour, they put the focus on on what they do well, it's in great shape because these young players can really do it, just like Aberg. I mean, that gum, he is unbelievable. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I, I mean, I will say this much: it'll be interesting to see how TV deals are structured going forward. But I know that network executives do not want to be hammered by media people like me about, well, you know, how do you justify? being in bed with the Saudis, given the fact of, you know, all the different things. I mean, there's just a general reluctance on the TV side to be involved with Liv. I mean, to be on the CW network, I mean, you know, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, the History Channel probably has more subscribers, you know, than that. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing that they don't let uh, the the TV is the leverage. That's what they, and and there's the opportunity, and that's, that's my point is, is, uh, yeah, I think the only focus. thing the the only thing that really scares the PGA Tour is what happened with Rom, which means at any point in time, if they waived enough money, they can grab somebody. Okay, they grab. Well, them. in three, in three, if you start looking at how I, I've used this analogy, it's not necessarily a good one, but in the Olympics, especially uh, like the uh, ice ice sport disciplines, you got your entertainment season. You have your Olympics competition and and the uh the entertainment the the ice shows well they're fun to go watch and those 
athletes get paid a lot of money. And but then the Olympics it, it intensifies a little bit. Well, the Live Tour is a little bit like a just a cash show for entertainment, a little bit. Now I have to say, some of the things they're doing, I really love the team side. I think the team side will end up being more attractive than folks, at least in this country, will will gravitate towards. But uh, I think the three rounds, the way that they're set up, three rounds. I believe in the next couple of years that the PGA Tour players, the four-round, I think that's going to show itself in the majors. Then you have four major championships have nothing to do with the live. And these entities, the USGA, the PGA, Masters, there's a lot of leverage that will be gained out of these majors because the one thing that is obvious, you don't get to go to the live unless you – have won the majors, so it's it could end up being that that the uh, that that's a a tour for entertainment uh, has its place. And once you once you've uh, reached a certain level and a star, well, they you get recruited, make a lot of money. You can't play anymore, but you got got a big old bank account. Can't play a lick, but you can really have a lot. See, of that's fun. the whole point, so, though. I mean, the the whole point of sport is for most people, you want to see the best the best play in in real terms. And the thing about golf, although you may have an extended career, the question is, are you still competitive? And the answer to that is, I mean, I don't see anybody waking up in the morning and saying, man, I got to go see Lee Westwood play or Sergio (laughs) Garcia play or Richard Bland or Ian Poulter. I could probably name probably half the guys that are on live right now. They're operating off of the mentality that's saying, hey, you know, there was a day when, so-and-so played quarterback or played center or played center field, but they're not, they're not relevant to what goes on. And I don't I know, mean, you know, I mean, even, even take a guy like Brooks Kepka who won a PGA championship. The, the year that Brooks had was really uneven. He really did not play stellar golf for the balance of, of the season. He wasn't certainly on, on the same level with Scotty Scheffler in terms of what, how he played throughout the season, he did win the PGA Championship. He also lost the Masters uh, and gave it away to Rom, who played well, to win it. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day is you, you want to see the best people play. And, you know, Liv is a cash cow that is a big 800-pound gorilla that sits out there. But at the end of the day, I don't see network television wrapping their arms over it. And as far as 54-hole golf and team golf, I think there comes a point when you have to look at is sport really about sport or is it about the circus? If you want the circus, live gives you the circus. Like you said, ice capades, that gives you that. So is there an audience for the circus? There may be, but I also think that I think at the other side of the spectrum, the people who really are connoisseurs who really enjoy watching golf, I don't think they need all that, all that showbiz. I think they're looking for something that says, hey, if it worked for Nicholas and Palmer and Tiger, and they had 72-hole tournaments, which was basically the norm for golf, what was broken with that? I mean, you know, why don't we just, if that's the case, why don't we have seven-inning baseball games? We'll have 45-minute football games. 
Hey, you know, we'll have guys that wear flags and play football or something. I mean, well, that could be. That, and you might well, have just I mean, said I think, earlier. I, I, think, I think that's a that's a debate. Probably we can't finish tonight. But but I would just say to people who are the listeners that are listening to us right now. I mean, I'm curious when they tune in for golf. What are they tuning in for? I mean, do they want to embrace? You know. Today's circus could be tomorrow's competition. I mean, it could change. Obviously, no, nothing is locked in stone. And hey, well, so so MJ, do you have you ever played in a in a member guest? Yeah, sure. All right, so you got your net and you got your growth, and there's there there are two different games going on. And which one captures which ca- which one captures the most attention, and which one? gets the attention of the connoisseur. And a little bit like that is going on right now in professional golf. You got you got a couple of different galaxies that uh, are getting the attention and I do yeah, think I think, over time, I think what you mentioned is, is certainly look, consumer tastes will change over the period. I mean, every sport has had to look at how do they continue to have both a competitive model and an entertainment model. That's why Major League Baseball has a pitch clock. I mean, if you had said that 20 some years ago, that baseball would have a pitch clock at the major league level, people would look at you and say you're crazy. Okay, um, so sports have to evolve in order to keep fan interest. But then there's a point in time when you say, okay, how close are we to the edge of this becoming like vaudeville and becoming like the circus? And then it's a question, really, of I mean, viewers will determine this at the end of the day, like any sport. I mean, that's why the NFL is dominant. That's why the NBA has a has a huge presence. Um, golf is a niche sport at the end of the day. That's all it is. Um, it only has a certain finite level of people who say, man, I'm going to watch that tournament. Much of it came from when Tiger and Phil were at their primes. People said, hey, i got to tune in and watch this guy, specifically you know, a guy like Tiger Woods. But now the question is, how does pro golf, how does it evolve going forward? I think ultimately, as I said at the outset, the ultimate aim for the Saudis is to get involved in professional sports in some form or fashion, even if it means getting a minority equity stake. At least they'll have their presence in on the meetings that will dictate how things play out in the future. I mean, one day's minority owner can be the owner of the whole ball game in a very short order. You know, it doesn't take much. Um for that to happen and it will be interesting to see how live you know how do they, how do they proceed going forward it's my opinion that i think that they really had their long game has always been not just john rom but having a seat at the table in terms of how golf is organized specifically in america which is the biggest base uh of where the money and the tournaments are being taken place and i think that's their ultimate aim all right well, guys right i hate now, to do this uh, <laughs> I really do. I hate to do this. This is like point counterpoint. It's really, really good stuff. But George, we have run up against the uh, the clock here, so I'll let you uh, wind things down here for us, if you don't mind. Oh, of course, and uh, it's a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, down here in Jacksonville, got it's only two rounds into it, and don't have much uh, to report from a local standpoint, a statewide standpoint. Uh, Wesley, my son, is in position that. Technically, there are five PGA Tour cards being given out, and there are a lot of players in this field going for 
those five. I did notice that Keenan Husky is in pretty good shape. And even though uh, I saw Tony, Tony, uh, Bryson Nimmer in the field, I'll probably leave out a few more. Uh, at the very Trace, Trace Crow, who is kind of on the edge, uh, it's North Carolina and South Carolina in good shape. Kyle Westmoreland. And, well, Kyle's tied with Bob Hale, Jr., and Harry Endicott for first place. But still, 36 holes to go. That'll do it from Jacksonville. And, MJ, what a privilege to have you on. Until next time, you all tee it high but shoot them low. George, MJ, we really enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Smitty? Nice job tonight, buddy. Well, that was fascinating. And uh, as you said, <laughs> point, counterpoint. And I was I was reading along as both uh, George and MJ were bringing up different parts about LIV and the PGA Tour. And I'll tell you what, you can go to NBCSports.com. There's a story on Wesley Bryan right now making some comments about this very topic. And he's one of those guys who's got his skin in the game, man, a player out there that plays on the PGA Tour on occasion. So that's it for us. Chris, I really enjoyed it. Back to football next week. Absolutely. Folks, have a great weekend. A lot of stuff up on the website this weekend. Check it out. We'll see you back here on Monday. 